We are continuing our series this morning entitled uh, Pioneers. And I know that this is not a biblical term. You're not going to be able to look through the Bible and find the word pioneer in there. Uh, You just won't find it. However, the word pioneer uh, means someone who is either going to an area that few people have gone before. A pioneer is someone who paves the way. So typically we think of two things in our culture today. We think of the pioneers who traveled west, you know, and in the wagon trains, and, and only a few people had gone before them, and they were discovering land that they had never seen before. And so they were settling, and it was rough, and it was harsh, and they were going, and they had to be ready to do that. And, and the second way we think of that is people who pioneer technology, people who are pioneering cancer treatments, pioneering uh, cell phone technologies, pioneering... Uh, computer technology. We think of people who are going in a direction that few, maybe no one has ever gone before and paving a path for others to come after them. And really, I believe and feel wholeheartedly that this is what God has called us to as believers in Christ. I don't just feel, I know that this is what He called us. He told us to go and to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey His commands. Go and make disciples. And I don't know about you, we, we can hem haw and we can debate theology and we can go round and round, and, and, but that is very simple. There's not really any arguing or justifying against that. That is our purpose. That is our command. That is what God has called us to do. We are called to be pioneers, to go places where maybe few have ever gone before, to go and to prepare the ground, to prepare those who would hear the gospel of Jesus, and to pave the way for those, the future generations that would come after us. Amen? Amen. So the first week, we discovered that pioneers have to leave some things behind. They have to let go of some stuff that we can't hang on to the old man. We can't hang on to the old lifestyle. We have to let go of some sin. It's very popular in today's culture to tell tell us, to tell yourselves, to tell the the church today and the secular Christianity that is sweeping across our nation that God loves you, that He created you just the way you are, that He created you sinful, and therefore He doesn't mind you being sinful, so just go on ahead and and live in it. And that is the reason why so many people today are living a less than abundant life in Christ because they have not truly given everything over to Him. You see, we have to lay things down. And if you've not checked out the Facebook video uh, I shared last night, I encourage you to go on our Facebook page, check that out, share it with, with people. I was sharing a little bit more about that last night in detail about what we are offering up to God, what we are giving to Him. Are we truly giving Him everything? Because you see, Jesus gave everything for us. He gave everything for us. And if if we walked in and bought something and it came out with pieces missing, we would be furious. 
So why would Jesus be any less furious when we offer him less than what he purchased? When we come to God and say, God, here I am, but you know what? Mm, I really want to keep this area of my life. I, I like this. This is, this is not, I like to be in control. I like this area. I'm going to hang on to this. So God wants everything. We have to release it all to Him, give it over to Him. And when we do that, we put ourselves in a position to begin to truly live an abundant life in Christ, to truly begin to walk in His anointing, to truly begin to walk in His joy, to begin to walk in His promises. As you see, until we surrender everything to Jesus, until we give everything to Him, then we are fighting against Him. So you can't possibly begin to walk in God's blessings. It's not that God doesn't want to bless you. It's not that He is some angry God with a lightning bolt ready to strike you. It's that He can't bless you. When my kids are laying in the floor throwing a temper tantrum and they're fighting me, guess what? I can't really bless them. I can't really bring a whole lot of good things into their life. Why? Because they're throwing a fit. They're fighting me. I'm, I'm maybe trying to help them. Maybe it's for something as simple as trying to keep them from running out in front of the car at Walmart. Anybody ever had that happen before? A kid wants to run out in front of the car and you grab them. All, next thing you know, they're in the ground kicking and screaming, throwing a fit, and everybody's looking at you like, what a horrible parent. Don't you ever discipline your children? Why, yes, yes, I do. But guess what? They're still three and seven, and sometimes they just have their bad days. Just like you and I. Because some of us are out there, and God's trying to stop us. He's trying to hold us. He's trying to grab hold of us, and we're laying in the floor kicking and screaming, going, No, God, why can't I do it? That's what I want to do. And he's going, Fine, go on ahead. There you go. Give a little push. I'm just kidding. We have to lay some things down in order to begin our journey as pioneers. Second thing we, we have to do is we have to know where we're headed. You have to know what it is that you're called to. You have to know where God is leading you. You have to know that God has a purpose for you, that He created you, that He knew you before you were ever born, that He knit you together in your mother's womb, that He has a plan and a purpose for you, and He has laid out good things for you to do even before you were born. It's very popular today to picture a God who loves us, who came, who died on the cross for us, but then sits way off in the distance and is just watching us like we're some sort of sitcom. But that's not at all what he's doing. It says that he orchestrated good deeds for you and I to do. So that tells me that you have a purpose, that God has created you for something special. There is something for you to accomplish. If you're still drawing breath, then God has something for you to do. And it takes an open heart who is willing to seek God and pursue Him and say, God, I want what you want for my life, and I will follow you. You see, we have to know where we're headed, know what we're called to. And we all have a general calling to share the good news of Jesus with the world. We are all called to go and to make disciples. But that looks different for 
each and every person. Some people, that means that you go and you're the best employee that you could possibly be. For some people, that means that you're called to be a businessman or a woman, and you go out and you're an entrepreneur and you start your own business and you employ people. Maybe you help people who are can't find jobs and you bring them in and give them a job and you pour everything that you do is to bless the kingdom of God. Everything that you do is to bless others. And, and for some people... Those who have reached the the wondrous years of retirement, it it is pouring your wisdom out into the future generations to come. Even if a thousand times they roll their eyes at you and say they don't want to hear what you have to say. You pour your wisdom out. You pour your wisdom out. You pour your wisdom out. Because that is what God has called you to do. God has called you to be leaders. To lead the generations into God's presence. Into God's throne room. To lay out before people a feast of God's Spirit and presence to make known to people the wonders of God's Spirit being poured out, the experiences that you've had in your life, the things that God has done for you, to lay those things out and to hand them over to people so that they can taste and see that the presence of God is good. You see, we all have a purpose We have to know where we are headed. And last week, we discovered that as pioneers, we have to carry the right equipment. We have to take the right stuff with us. And we are very specialized as Christians. We're not simply going as farmers and agriculturists tilling the ground. No, we're going also as warriors claiming a new land. And so we need to put on the full armor of God to clothe ourselves in the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, to the sword of the Spirit. We, we need the whole armor of God, the gospel of peace, clothing our shoes, our feet, so that the urgency carries us on to share the gospel of Jesus. We have to wear the full armor of God, because we are not just going as agricultural specialists. No, we are going as uh, warrior agricultural specialists. Put a little slash in there, because we're both. We're sharing the gospel and we're tilling the ground, but we are also fighting a battle. We are also pushing the enemy back and saying, this is no longer your land. This is now claimed for the kingdom of God. And next week we will talk more specifically about pioneers having to prepare that ground. But this morning what I want to talk to you about is that pioneers have to start the journey. You see, we have to leave some things behind. We have to know where we're headed. We have to get the right equipment. But then we actually have to get up and go. We have to get up and move. We look around today at the decline of Christianity. We look around today at the church as a whole as it is shrinking. 
not every denomination, but the vast majority of them are shrinking. Why? Why? We have millions of Americans all across this nation that got up this morning, got themselves dressed, and drove to church. Why is it that we can't change our nation? Why is it that we don't see God's Spirit move? Why is it that God seems to be lying dormant? What I would propose to you this morning is that the reason is the only place that we are willing to go is to our seat that has our name on it where we leave our stuff And heaven forbid somebody sit in it. And what that just drive us absolutely crazy. And don't get me wrong, we're people of, of habit. So I'm not scolding people for sitting in the same seat, okay? What I'm saying is that we have to be willing to get up from that seat and go. We have to be willing to go into the highways and byways. We have to go ready to preach the gospel of Jesus. We have to go ready to tell others the good news about God. And guess what? If all you do is run around and complain about everybody else, that doesn't sound like good news. If all you do is run around and moan and groan and say, Oh, pitiful me, what a horrible life. Oh, moan and groan. I can't believe this is going on. Oh, look at the... Why on earth would anybody want to follow your Jesus? Why on earth would anybody want to follow you? Because the only thing that leaves our lips so often is grumbling and complaining. We're like the people of Israel. God blesses and blesses and blesses. And with every blessing that He pours out, we moan and groan and grumble and complain and find one more thing that God hasn't done just right. We have to begin to lay some things down. We have to begin to pursue God, to give Him everything. We have to start the journey. We've all been in this place before where we, we really wanted to do something but then talked ourselves out of it, right? You ever been in that place? Maybe you had a dream. Maybe it was when you were younger, you had a dream, something that you wanted to do. Maybe you were getting ready to graduate high school, and then you thought about it and thought, oh, you know what, I'd really like to go over and do this first. And then the next thing you know, you're 45, you have kids, and you never accomplished the things that you dreamed about, the things that you wanted to do. Why? Because you slowly talked yourself out of it, and then life does what life does and brings a set of decisions before you, and we make one decision after another and the next thing you know we never pursue the things that we said we would pursue maybe you wanted to pursue that career maybe you wanted to be the best parent that you could be but work kept calling to you there was always something else to do We've all been in that place before where we, we, there was something that we wanted to do, something we wanted to do for God. We had great visions of grandeur, and yet something held us back. In Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, we see the story of three different men who either asked or were asked to follow Jesus, and each one gave a slightly different response. 
to the opportunity to follow the greatest rabbi that the world has ever known. They each had one excuse after another. And it starts and it says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, it doesn't say exactly what happens, but we can kind of conclude from the way Jesus' response to this man that this man was not happy with this response, that he did not pick up and follow Jesus. Why? Because the security that he longed for was missing. Isn't that one of the greatest idols that we have as Americans? Security? Our savings account? The almighty dollar. We plan, we prepare, we put all the the pillars in place. We want all the security in the world. But sometimes the desire for security holds us back from taking the necessary risks that God calls us to take for His kingdom and for His glory. Because we want everything to be perfect. I don't know what it, maybe it's finances, maybe it's a housing situation, maybe it's transportation, maybe it's simply being accepted by people. But the lack of security, the lack of not knowing, the lack of of the unknown, it keeps us and holds us back. We just can't seem to break through it. We can't seem to let go because there's a piece of us that just wants to hang on, that little semblance of control in our life. We don't really, truly trust Jesus to take care of everything for us. And he said, he said, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Follow me. And the man replied, let me go and bury my father. First let me go. Jesus, I want to follow you, but I've got this thing that I have to do first. God, I really want to wake up in the mornings and pray and worship you. But God, I I woke up a little bit late and and God, I'm running behind. I gotta get I gotta get out the door. Lord, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll get to you. God, today I I want to spend some time in prayer. I want to open my Bible up and read. But you know what? The kids have got to go here. The grandkids are doing this. I've got to go over here. I've I've got to get to Lowe's, to Home Depot, I've got to get to the craft store. We've got things to do. There's always something to do. And every time we check one thing off the list, it seems like there's three to five more that pop in, right? It's it's like the hydra of Greek mythology. Every time we chop one head off, four more grow back. I don't know. It's It's insane. At least that's my checklist. I don't know about yours. Every time I check one thing off, it seems like I got a whole bunch more coming in. I'm like going, okay, we got, what's going on? I thought this was supposed to be you know, getting closer to being done, not getting longer. 
We overcommit ourselves to the point that we can't answer the call of God in our life. We can't go. We can't pursue Jesus. The reason why all we do is go to church and do nothing else for the kingdom of God is because we are simply overcommitted. There's too much going on in our life. We have too much busyness and not enough of God. This is why I say that sometimes we have to say no to some good things in our life in order that we can say yes to God things. We have to say no to good things so that we can say yes to God things because not every good thing is from the Father. Sometimes there are some good things that are put there in front of your life that are good, that are not sinful, that are there as a temptation to keep you from accomplishing all that God has for you. We have to loose some commitments in our life so that we can free up the time to do what God has called us to do. And to still another, he said, or still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. See, for this man, it was his ties to his past. The ties to who he was. Specifically, it was his his family. But here he was on a precipice, on a turning point in his life. He's ready to make the decision to to follow Jesus. And he just can't seem to let go of the things that were part of his former life. And there are so many people today that the reason why they are stuck, stranded in a rut, that the reason why they are grumbling, moaning, groaning Christians is because they just can't let something go go. They can't release it. It could be sin. It could be unforgiveness. It could be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be any slew of emotions. It could be anything that maybe we just won't let go. It kind of coincides with the previous one because maybe it's a commitment. Maybe we have a commitment in our life that we just like a whole lot and we're not willing to let it go for Jesus. Because I like doing that. I love it. God, why would you ask me to give that up? God, it makes me happy. God, I, I feel fulfilled when I do that. God, I, it, it stirs my heart. I'm passionate about it. God, didn't you say that you would give us the desires of our heart? God, doesn't your word say? And we'll do everything in the world to justify it. We'll quote scriptures. We'll convince ourselves round and round and round that that thing that God is asking us to give up, that that thing that God is asking us to let go, we will preach ourselves into the place where we are like, yes, absolutely. That's exactly where I need to be. I watch a lot of kids' movies, so I know that's surprising. We just watched one with the kids last night called Ferdinand. And Ferdinand's this little bull, and he doesn't like to fight. He loves flowers. He likes to run through the fields, and, and, and he grows up. He gets out of a bullfighting training 
home and finds himself in a new home with a little girl who loves him to death and treats him like a dog, and she raises him up. And for a while, he goes to these flower festivals with the family, and then one day he's fully grown and he's too big to go, and they tell him to stay, and he doesn't understand why. He doesn't understand that he would cause a lot of problems for himself. But he's having this whole dialogue in the middle of the movie. He keeps looking at stuff going, if this rock doesn't move by the time I count to five, then I'm going. And then a hawk swoops down and takes the rock. And he says, if this egg doesn't hatch by the time I, and he, goes, and he gets to this, if this egg doesn't hatch by the time I get to ten, and he counts one, and the egg starts cracking. And he goes, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Spits it out and goes, yes, I'm going. And he runs off and it starts this whole, you know, journey of him being torn away from the girl that he loves and, and all of this. And, and eventually he comes back around. But aren't we often like that? We're, we're praying, we're going, God, give me a sign. And we're, we're convincing ourselves. Like, and we'll ask for one sign and get, God will give it to us. And then we go, nah. It's coincidence. He didn't mean it because it wasn't the it wasn't the answer that I wanted, and because it wasn't the answer that I wanted, we fight it, and, and then we look and we look and we look for the answer that we want to have, and then when we get the answer that we want to have, we run off chasing after it, and then we find out we find ourselves in the middle of a horrible situation, looking up at God, saying, "Didn't you tell me that this is what you wanted for my life? Why have you let this happen?" And God's going. Nope, didn't tell you that at all. Matter of fact, I told you a whole bunch of times beforehand not to do it, but you did it anyways. We have to release our ties to the past. We have to release the ties of who we were. I am no longer Mark. I am a follower of Jesus. When people look at me, I don't want them to think, oh, how great is Pastor Mark? I want them to look at me and say, man, look at what Jesus is doing in his life. That's what I want. Because there are a whole lot of people out there today that get all sorts of praise from people. And in the grand scheme of things, and the, the journey of life, it means absolutely diddly squat. Nothing. Sorry, it's a good Tennessee term, diddly squat. Absolutely nothing. It's meaningless. But if people see Jesus in me, if they look in my life and they say, man, look at what God is doing. Look at how God is blessing. Look at His relationship with Jesus. That's, that's what I want. I want that. I want that kind of commitment. I want that kind of relationship with Jesus. And I'm not saying any of that to... to pat myself on the back. I'm saying that shouldn't that be our desire? Shouldn't that be all of our longing? 
to say that I don't want people to see me. I want them to see Jesus. I really, truly want them to see Jesus in everything that I do. In everything. And look, we're, all, we're imperfect beings. We don't have it all together. There are days that the kids drive me absolutely up the wall. And there are days that I lose my cool. There are days that I'm distracted and I'm so busy with work that my kids are running up and going, Hey, Daddy, 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 and I'm going, In a minute, in a minute, in a minute. In a minute. I'll have time for you in a minute. We're not perfect beings. I think I said it Wednesday night. It's not about perfection. It's about an attitude of perpetual obedience. About continual movement towards God. That we recognize the things in our life that do not line up with God, that do not line up with His Scripture, and we submit them to Him and we say, God, I will follow You. Because just like the man who wanted to bury the dead and the man who wanted to go and say goodbye to his parents first, oftentimes we can't go back one more time to the old things. We can't go back and touch them one more time. And Jesus is not trying to be harsh He's not trying to be cruel, but He knows something about ourselves that we ourselves do not understand. That if we go back and if we touch it one more time, if we look at it one more time, we'll never let it go. It will grab hold of us and it will hold us in that place and leave us stuck. Unable to move forward, unable to go backwards. And the whole time, Jesus is saying, I wanted to set you free. I came to set you free. What is it that's holding you back from following Jesus this morning? What is it that's holding you back from pursuing the calling that God has for you? What is it that is keeping you from accomplishing all that God has called you? Is it a lack of security? Is it uncertainty? Is it the not knowing what may or may not happen? Maybe people will be put off by your decision to fully commit to God. Maybe you'll have friends turn away from you. But I promise you this, you will gain stronger relationships through Jesus. Yes, Jesus did not have a place to lay His head. However, there was not a night that He went without. God blessed him. See, it's about faith. We have to put our faith and our trust in God. Is it that you're overcommitted? Do you have so much going on in your life that you can't fit one more thing? Or when the God things come along, all you can do is grumble and complain about it because you're so worn out and so tired that you can't really fully commit to what God wants you to do. 
Maybe it's time to let some things go in our life. Or is it that there's something in your past that you just can't let go of? Maybe someone hurt you. Maybe someone laid some offense at your feet, laid some offense in you, and it has been growing inside of you like a bitterness, like a dark, consuming cloud, consuming every fiber, consuming every thought, consuming everything in your life. Maybe, maybe today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that He will set you free. If you will turn it over to Him. If you will let it go. And say, God, here it is. I give it to you. In just a few moments, we're going to receive communion. And I'm going to invite the ushers to come and get prepared. to pass out the communion. While they're preparing, what I'd like to ask each and every person to do is to close their eyes and bow their heads. If you're here this morning, and you say, Pastor, I want to follow Jesus today. Today, I want to run after Him. Today, Jesus. Today, I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus today, would you just lift your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, right now, Lord, I pray for each and every person that has lifted their hands. God, you see their heart. You see their desire. Lord, you see their longing for you. God, I don't know the circumstances, but God, I know this, that the truth of your Scripture says that if we would confess you as Lord and Savior and repent of our sins, stop doing the things that you told us not to do, then you would save us and redeem us. So God, right now, Lord, we pray for forgiveness of every sin. God, we pray for forgiveness of every sin of omission. The things that we knew to do, the things that we knew we were called to do, and yet we didn't do them because we were held back. And God, I pray this morning that you would set them free in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I've given my life to Jesus, but something's been holding me back. Something's been holding me back, and this morning, I want freedom. This morning, I'm giving it all to Jesus. This morning, I'm laying it all down, and I'm going to pursue and I'm going to follow Him. If that's you, all across this room, would you just lift up your hands? Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Lord, I pray right now by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you would sweep across this room. Lord, that your anointing would move. God, that you would touch hearts. Lord, that you would set us free. God, that you would spark a revival right now. God, that what you're doing, what you are stirring up right now, Father, I know that it is not by accident or coincidence. Lord, you have handpicked each and every person that is here in this room right now. And so, God, right now, in accordance with your scripture, I pray, let your spirit be poured out in their lives. God, that your anointing would fall on them. Lord, that you would fill them up to overflowing. And God, that you would release them to do all that you have called them to do. God, we will be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise. It's in the powerful and wonderful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen and amen.